Hey, what's up? This is MP Radio. Always make progress, and we are your hosts, Shankar Bhattacharjee, Fractal Biomechanics on Instagram, and and I am Sean Astorga. This is the official podcast of AMP's mentorship program for rehab clinicians and fitness professionals, where we help you differentiate yourself by getting your clients more long-lasting results. On today's episode, we have Zach Gabor. Zach, thank you for joining us today. Uh, will you please do our guest the honor of introducing yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and what your mission is on this planet. Yes, thank you guys for having me. Pumped to connect and chat and love the work you guys are doing. Um, <clears throat> quick spark notes. I'm a, I'm a PT. I guess I would identify as that. I'm not in the clinic formally anymore, but um, you know, I'm doing some work remotely. Um, and I really do a lot of work on the education side of things. So that's really my mission in life is helping to decrease slash wipe out the mediocre and harmful aspects of well-intended healthcare that is provided on a day-to-day basis. As you all know, it's very pervasive, but that's really the mission is to make sure that people are just getting a better standard of care that's based in a more informed and realistically optimistic paradigm and approach. Awesome, man. I'm glad you said that because that's the first thing that I wanted to, to get into. <laughs> um, so I've been, I've been following you. I wasn't big on social media up until more recently, but I think it was like 2018 or so. Is that around the time like the level up initiative started? Yep. Okay, yep. cool. Um, yeah, I was looking at back when I started like my Instagram account and it was like around then. So I'm like, <laughs> I think it was then. Um, but I want to start with one of the first things that people see when they go on the landing page in your Instagram bio. And it says, join us on our mission to grow into the high value musculoskeletal uh, providers our world needs and help raise the standard of healthcare right now. And I think the way I interpret that statement, it's very powerful. I was hoping to get your interpretation of what that means, what high value musculoskeletal providers means, uh, what raising the standards in healthcare means, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's that's always what's been fun about this. As you guys know, this profession is can kind of be exhausting um, in a lot of different ways, let alone just like subjecting yourself to, you know, wanting to be better and reading research. It like requires a lot of energy and it also requires you challenging yourself. And so understandably, a lot of people don't want to do that. So that's kind of to like this mission, I think helps enduring through a lot of that um, discomfort and sometimes not wanting to do that. So that's kind of a big part to the start of that mission. But for us, really, the high value comes from, you know, what is, I know that there is like a um, very standard definition of this. My interpretation of high value care is that it is both based on the best available information, but flexible as well with how it's meeting the needs and expectations of patients, but also in a way that is like, what is the most efficacious thing we can do for them from a financial perspective with the longest lasting results? To me, that would sort of be my, my interpretation of high value care. And um, yeah, I mean, that's really what the mission was all about. The standard of care, you know, for example, is pretty uh, well exemplified by what happened to me yesterday on a consult with a woman who literally she's in her early thirties, never really lifted before started getting into lifting in April. It within two months, she got the onset of insidious left hip pain. 
And the first thing that her MD said to her was to just stop lifting heavy and that she should probably find some alternative things that she likes to do. And that squatting is bad for your knees. So she should probably stop squatting anyway. I've never and, heard these things before. What is, what? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just like, but it's like, that is like, it's almost sounds satirical, but it's like that literally to me is kind of the standard of care. That's just like the base level that I think people are getting on a kind of day to day by the majority of, again, well-intentioned medical providers. That's what makes this all difficult and taboo to navigate. You know, it's not like this doctor was sitting there in the morning. That's like, Hmm, how am I going to really mess up some people's lives today? But, um, that's the reality is that we're left kind of putting out the fires and um, helping empower people back to, you know, not have to have these unnecessary fears of, of movements or lifting heavy and obviously time and place for nuance, but the overarching narratives of how things are communicated are um, creating a lot more issues for medical providers to try and uh, help people. So to me, that's sort of the standard of care we're trying to elevate. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And, um, you know, we get a lot of people, uh, at our clinic amp, um, who have kind of been through the ringer in terms of like musculoskeletal pain related to exercise and like all of these things, running is bad for your knees, lifting yep. is bad for your back, all these things. And like in their mind, like the patient's mind, it's like, I've already seen all these providers. No one can help me. I'm a unicorn, right? Like there's like nothing we can do. And like, the reality is, is like, just need a little guidance, like with the things you're trying to accomplish to, I mean, I'm making it sound simple, but like, you just need some guidance, right. To get you on a plan that kind of makes sense for, for you, right. Your, your goal, like your, yeah. your structure, like all these types of things. And it's like, when it comes to like that perspective, I think like there's so much room for us to improve. That's why I'm, I, I really appreciate what you guys are, are, are doing and all the people that you help. Cause you guys have a huge, huge reach as I understand it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely things you just said in there resonate hard, which is like, it doesn't even like you, I know you guys know this and I appreciate, you know, there, and there's such a interesting space to be in as providers who really care because there's so much nuance. There's like infinite nuance to explore, but that doesn't mean that your treatment and your approach has to be overly, you know, complicated especially when we're dealing with complex people, we want to try and have simpler approaches and solutions that are helping them move forward. It doesn't mean we're not thinking about a jillion different things in our head, even if the, what we're doing looks quote unquote simple. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And you also said something in there in t when you were talking about um, like high value and considering things like the, like the logistics, right? Like the financial aspect of things and like, you know, people's like just schedules and like how realistic is it for you to come to PT three times a week for like, you know, the, you know, near future and all those types of things. How do you, how do you guys go about, um, I don't know what the, the exact question is, I guess like, like teaching like a student, right. How to kind of think about all of these things, like when they are like coming up with like a plan of care, for example. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where this is all so gray because there's so many influences that are going to be have to have to be considered, you know, because it's like we could give someone in a perfect world. Here's what we want to do. We want to like make sure we're listening to the patient's story. We want to try and intervene, you know, as minimally impactfully as possible. You know, we don't want to over intervene. We don't want to overcomplicate things and we want to help them learn how to self-manage but there's a lot of other contextual factors that they might have to consider. Like, do they have pressures from their boss that they need to see them for a certain amount of visits? Are there other billing pressures that they might need to account for? Are there patient preferences where maybe they do really want to be getting in there two to three times a week? So it's like, 
in a vacuum, we can have this ideal of how we want to, you know, minimally and effectively intervene to like drive home the maximal kind of outcomes. Um, but it's balancing with all of those other pressures that we have to kind of think about and consider. So it's tough. Like, I think we start from that like idealistic place of how we want to do things, but then we expose people to like, here's some of the things we may need to think about and consider when weighing how we're going to actually interact with fellow human beings. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think even just introducing like that, that, um, or acknowledging one that that is a, it is a thing, right. It's not easy to just like be a medical professional to like be a physical therapist and like manage all these things, but just acknowledging that all these factors exist. And one thing we try to do, I mean, I've been, you know, I'm like a little, you know, more seasoned, we'll say. Um, so one of the, one of the things that we try to do is, um, we really can like present our, um, recommendation to a patient. Like this is like in the ideal scenario, this is like what I would recommend for, for you. And then it's like, is it realistic? Like, can we come up with a plan that, that kind of works where we can like, here's the ideal and like what works for you. And then we have to kind of meet in the, in the middle. And that's been something that's been really helpful for us um, in terms of like how we practice and getting a uh, patient kind of on board with um, that this is a process, right? Like there's a, a plan that needs to happen here and, and it's right. not going to just be like this, like black and white, you know, you have pain now you don't have pain anymore kind of situation. Yeah, 100%. And to that cool like one thing that is cool about dealing with humans is that there is generally a lot of flexibility in the approaches. So you could have the perfect way that you want to intervene, but there's generally some flexibility in like all the different ways you might be able to get to that same endpoint. Um which I think is what makes clinical practice kind of fun is being able to kind of navigate those different roads so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you guys also, you recently, um, with the level up initiative, I don't know how recently I shouldn't say that. I feel like it's been like, over we've been a in year, the COVID time warp, man. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> My sense of time is like, where the hell are we? Um, but you, you and clinical athlete, you guys yep. teamed up. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what led to that, um, partnership and yeah. we'll kind of go from there? Yeah. So the full transparent truth is that, um, you know, turns out running a totally free business model, isn't really a, a sustainable <laughs> business mental health wise or whatever, you know, so level up, we were having the impact that we really wanted. I think by the time before we merged with clinical athlete, we had seven cohorts. We had over 2000 people go through our free mentorship. It was, you know, great feedback. It was, you know, really impactful and it was amazing, but we just, you know, the amount of hours we were putting in and not earning anything was, um, you know, would probably lead anyone to have some insidious, uh, mental, mental health issues with that. Um, so concurrently with that clinical athlete was also at a little bit of a crossroads where they had been established since like 2015 and they kind of were in the midst of like, not fully putting the stamp down of like their, identity flagship besides for they had been doing a bunch of different things. <clears throat> we had a ton of overlap in our communities. That was another thing too. We felt like people had to choose between, are they going to invest their energy into clinical athlete? Or are they going to invest their energy into level up? And when we made level up, the idea was almost to be a complement to a lot of the stuff that, because I came from the clinical athlete community. Um, but part of my reason for creating Level Up was that it was really more centric towards kind of the soft skills, quote unquote, development, the interpersonal skills, um, more of those bigger picture things where clinical athlete really was more exercise centric. That was the lens through which their community and mission existed. And we just felt like, you know, we did a, we did a summit together that was supposed to be in person. COVID 
made that not happen, which was, I mean, we planned a whole in-person summit. We sold probably 50 plus tickets and then COVID happened. So even just the resolve that we had to work together as a team to pivot it to online, and it actually ended up being really fun and really impactful and really valuable. And it was through that experience that we kind of had this like aha moment of like, huh, like a, this was super valuable, kind of the um, compatibility of both of these things and the complementary nature of both of them. But we also worked together really well, you know, going through some really big challenges together, meeting together once a week um, for over a year, we felt like, hey, like, what if we just combined our resources and just had one more comprehensive option that kind of covers the things that we really believe in as like the prerequisite skills as, you know, students emerging into new grads, get your shit together with your thinking about your thinking, your awareness and your interpersonal skills and your principles of exercise prescription. If you do those things well, go off and do all the, like, if you want to go explore different systems, if you want to go explore different paradigms, like hell yeah. But like kind of arming yourself with a little bit of practical skepticism and critical thought is going to allow you to gain way more from those different things anyway, and not um, fall prey to getting too sucked into any one paradigm. Um, cause I think that's just something that I had seen a lot of. So yeah, more or less, that is kind of the story of why we ended up merging and it's been super fun. Um, you know, it's a whole challenge in and, uh, in and of itself merging two entities. So that's been a whole, whole other thing, but I think we're getting to a good spot two years after the merge. You know, you know, I'm going to ask about that because I, I, I love like the business side of things. So I'm oh, yeah, curious yeah. How, how partners and that kind of stuff yeah. work. But you know, what's funny is like with um, Clinical Athlete is I'm when 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 Quinn Hennick started it in 2015, I think it was right. It was right after I had started. Practicing. Yeah, it was like 2015, 2016. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had met with him. I was one of like the first few people he met with. We met on like whatever their version of Zoom was. I don't know what it was. The version of Zoom was at the time. So I remember him and someone were showing me like the back end of it and like that vision of it. So it's yep. been cool to see like over time, just one, it's still around Two, like the growth, but also like the impact that it has had on people just like level up initiatives. So that like the merge, um, like hearing you describe why you guys partnered up makes, uh, it makes a shit ton of sense uh, in just a lot of ways. And um, one thing I can say is like, we, we have a mentorship, you know, program ourselves and, we get a lot of people who have gone through the level up initiative and just seeing like how thoughtful they are in um, their approach, right. To like the questions they ask, the way that they appraise things and all that kind of stuff, I think speaks to what you, you just mentioned um, with like practical skepticism, um, just critical thought and having like a foundation to like base all of your um, like a filter, all the information that's coming into you uh, has been that's cool to literally, see. So I think that, well, thank you for that first off, but that when I thought about it, like, trying because it is trying to describe what we do can be really difficult it's almost like that filter it's like you're developing that base level filter for for which to go out and build on but it is a really important one and it, and it makes me happy to hear that too because i think that was a big maturing thing for me like over the last eight years is like we're not trying to force like this is the way this is how you do things but rather helping people have more humility and curiosity too. So it's like, you can explore different things and you can be open to different things. Um, so that makes me happy to hear. Yeah. And it's cool to see, like, maybe this is just like, like 
confirmation bias and like the the bubble that I'm kind of in, but like um, seeing what a lot of people that have gone through like level up initiative are, are doing these days, like Andy, right? Like Andy Chen, yep. like Nick, um, like Jared Boyd. Well, he was like, I don't know if he went through yeah. it. He was a, a mentor, he, right? He was right? a mentor. Like, he, he does our guest lecture on critical thinking and yeah, to, it's a, it's a really, and I would consider you a part of, you know, the community as well. It's just, it's great to see it's great to see people because I think there is sort of this like innovative nature of, you know, a a quality or a characteristic of the people in this community, but it's driven by a first sort of motive of like just wanting to do better, feeling backed into a corner of like, all right, well, we're not just going to settle for this shitty mediocre care or go or go work a shitty mediocre job. Like I'm literally forced to kind of create something myself which brings in these principles that also happen to be like, you know, that's sort of the irony of it. Right. I remember getting pushback in when I was still in a traditional clinical setting where it's like wanting to see patients less and not booking them three times a week for 12 weeks where it's like, yeah, it's, it maybe isn't the best business model in the short term, but the skills that we're teaching actually, I do think are an amazing business model. And I think you would probably be a testament to this where it's like this high value of care. You can leverage your skill set in a totally different way. And business relationships and long-term relationships where the lifetime value is going to come back to you and then some, not just from the one person, but the referrals you'll be getting, the level of, you know what I mean? Because it's such a novel type of care that people are like, oh my God, like Sean and his team, like what they did for me, like (laughs) I've never had anything like that in my life. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. And one question people always ask about like our clinic is they're like, well, how do you compete when you have like five out of network or in network clinics that are in walking distance from you. It's like, it's just different. Like, I don't know, like people work with you and like the fact that we like, will text a person or call a person back when we say we will. Right. That is like the, how low the bar is. So like the fact that we do just those like those little things, right. It's like people like have no problem referring a, a person to us because they know that we're going to take care of them and we're going to treat them a certain way. And then when you talk about like the lifetime value, it's like those relationships, right. Are everything. Uh-huh. And it kind of goes back to what you're saying with like, um, like your guys' mission, right? When you started a level up initiative, like everything you're doing is is about that that mission. And when you are kind of driven by that, yeah, like right, it's the same with with clinical care and running a business. It's like we have a specific mission and vision of what we're trying to accomplish. As yes, we're a PT clinic, but it all comes back down to like that one mission, and it's really improving quality of life for our employees and improving quality of life for our communities. So when everything we yeah. do is based on that, it's like how can you not be successful right it's just like yeah and people are drawn to it because if it's authentic like people feel that yeah yeah like you come in too it's just not like a sterile like you know not there's anything wrong with like a sterile medical environment it's it's not like like a sterile medical environment right it's like they're like oh this is kind of cool like we're in a gym like you're like you know there's like a certain vibe to it and it goes with like the culture and everything um, so it's just, yeah, like, like you said, man, I'm just rambling at this point, but it's, it goes back to just having that, that mission and, and vision yep. and, and making it come to life. Um, which is, yeah, it's cool. Um, well, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and as you know, too, business owner, like all of this stuff, many ups and downs. So that's also the importance of having a strong mission is helps you persevere through all of the ups and downs of it all <laughs> continuing your professional growth, running a business, it is not sunshine and rainbows 24 seven for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It's the guiding light, right? Is this is the mission? Is it on brand with my mission? Yeah. And you know, then it makes the decision making at least a little uh, easier. 
Um, yeah. you, you mentioned Zach, um, challenges, uh, that just come with like merging, merging two businesses, right? Like yeah, level up in clinical athlete. Um, can you speak to some of those? Um, and then maybe just like ways that you found useful to, uh, address or like solve the problem and then move to the next kind of yeah, problem. <laughs> it's yeah. I guess it would start with just, you know, it's awareness, right? We both kind of had brand equity where people knew level up people knew clinical athlete, so now there's this new thing and people are like, wait, what? Like what's Calu? What's level up? What's clinical athlete? So there's just confusion from that perspective. There's a lot of confusion from like trying to merge products. So like our product was the level up mentorship. Their product was the clinical athlete forum and directory. So it's like, okay, what do we do? Do we keep one? Do we kind of just like merge it into a combined product? And we felt like that's what we needed to do if we were truly going to be a collective. So it's like, the level up mentorship became Calu Foundations. The uh, clinical athlete forum and directory, we we did away with the directory for now and we changed it into Calu Plus. And it's like, there's a lot of change and difficulty with communicating with, you know, clinical athlete had, I think 600 people in the directory, which sounds great. Part of the issue was that I think they started charging, they started it, it was $7 a month. And then they really bumped they really bumped it up to twelve dollars a month um, <laughs> for their recurring revenue. So it's like they had issues with their business model. You know, it's like it's great to have that volume, but it's like at the end of the day, you can't really grow in a meaningful way when you need that much volume at such a low rate. And also for people that are just like it's like the Planet Fitness model where it's like you pay, you know it's like $7 a month. You're like, Oh, whatever. You know, like I'm actually, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather pay you $7 than take the energy it takes to cancel this. <laughs> so you have a lot of people that aren't really engaged. They're kind of just using it. So that was also some of the challenges that we had was kind of just like merging that into one cohesive thing. Um, I mean, another issue and challenge is again, like we work together over the course of that year, but it's continuing to feel each other out in terms of our different, you know, there's four main co-founders in this. It's me and, you know, my primary business partner, Cedric Haddad, who's a Jersey guy, uh, Morristown, shout out. Um, yeah, yeah, Cedric. Oh man, his name comes yeah. up so much. I learned, I know him from uh, Frank, Frank Benedetto. Yep. Yep. I know who he is. I don't know him though. I never met him. Yes. Yeah, so, and Frank is, Frank is a small um, partner as well, but it's primarily myself, Cedric, Steph on the level up side of things. And then Quinn and his business partner, Derek. So it's like a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And yeah. a lot of different personalities. So it's trying to <clears throat> work in ways that leverages all of our strengths. That doesn't feel like we're talking over each other. It doesn't feel like we're diminishing each other. Um, so that's a whole challenge in and of itself. Um, but yeah, I would say the biggest thing was just having consistency with how we're communicating about things, awareness. Um, that's been hugely important, but we're still dealing with a lot of confusion. So we're trying to just continue to be crystal clear with what we're doing. We also offer like a lot of different things. So we're trying to really simplify yeah. the offer stack. So it's not like, you know, all, all of these different things that you might be able to do. We're trying to keep it as simple as possible. You know, our Cali plus product was good and valuable, but it, it felt like a nice to have and not a need to have. And so there was a lot of soul searching on our end to make sure that we were creating something that felt really more valuable, like selling it shouldn't have to feel like the hardest thing in the world. Like I, 
there's obviously an element to good skills there, but if you have a good product that resonates and feels valuable, you should be, have a easier time at which it's being sold. And so with the idea to build this exercise course foundations too, that was sort of the light bulb moment for us that really was like the result of two years of kind of, you know, I'll, in my nerd fashion, I think of it as like, you know, osteoblastin and osteoclastin, like building up, like Sean, think about how many things you've probably built up and then <laughs> tore to fucking shreds. Like yeah. you were like 80% built up and then you broke it down. We had all these different versions of like a clinical training for new grads that we wanted as like the next level from the free mentorship, build it up at eh, no, get like 80% there and be like, nope, nope, overcomplicating it. This isn't it. Like, and so finally landing on like, that's like, it, it was in front of us the whole time. Like we merged with Quinn because he's a savage in his principles of exercise prescription. Um, I taught an SNC elective at a DPT program. And I was like, I know that this is still, I, that's literally the feedback we get on our applications is like exercise, exercise, exercise. It's like the thing that people aren't getting at all in their DPT program. And if they are, it's a joke. Um, and so, yeah, ever since we created that, we've been a lot more like had our best two months in terms of like enrolling people into this course, which is in the backdrop of our Calu plus community. It's easier to communicate. It's clearer to communicate. Um, cause right. That's, you know, you know, Sean, like communication, critical thinking, like these aren't sexy skills that people are like, Ooh, let me sign up for this course. This is going to be great. It's like, yeah, people want some of the shinier stuff. So I think exercise was the perfect Trojan horse to deliver a really valuable and impactful course experience while still delivering the nuance of some of these other things we want to get across within this course. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that, uh, I like that the Trojan horse, because, um, we're, we're constantly like, I play with like our marketing for like our mentorship program and the things that I care about are what you're describing, right? Like how to your thought process on something, how to develop like a coherent thought process, how you communicate it to like a peer versus like how you're communicating it with patients and all that kind of stuff. But literally no one gives a shit like about that. But once they're in the yeah. program, then they come in and it's like, oh, this is actually where the value is. It's like how I can communicate this to a, a person. Like they don't care about like a breathing drill, right? They care about what this is going to actually help me do to get to like my end goal. So if you can right. communicate that aspect of things and like then, and you know, we can kind of like, it's like working with a patient, right? Like give people um, what they think they want and then give them what they actually need. Like that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> meeting people in the middle. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And then you're right, man. There's so, there's so much power, like the thing back to the thinking, right? It's like, people want to know how to get confident clinically. Like when you learn how to think like differently and appraise different conflicting ideologies, like it gives you such a, it gives you so much more conviction in your ability to communicate these things with patients or peers. And that's really powerful. You know, that, that confidence when it translates into that. Yeah. hundred percent. And a lot of what you just described, like it just comes to me, like comes down to like just a growth, growth mindset. Um, yep. like how, what you said, right. How many times have you built something up 80% and then you're just like, Nope, that's not going to work. Right. And then you just tear <laughs> it down. It's like, I think about like amp, like our clinic when it started and what it is today, it is very, very different. Right. Yeah. And it's really just like having some self-awareness, right. Not being 
being open-minded to like taking in like, okay, getting feedback and like taking data and then making new decisions and like all that kind of stuff. Um, so that very, very much resonates. Uh, and same with the mentorship program. It started out as like one thing and like, it started out like we, I don't know, we had like one call a week and we did like these things. And now we're, we have like a curriculum. We meet four times a week during the program. Like we're doing a lot of different things. And it's really just based off of feedback that we've gotten, like things that work yeah. well, things that we could have done better. And then like adjusting. Um, and the same thing with clinical care, right? It's like sessions. Yes. There are going to be times where they go according to plan. Then there's going to be times where like person has a flare up and they come in and you're like, you got to make this giant pivot. And like, that's yeah. scary sometimes, right? Because now you have to manage emotions. You have to manage someone's feelings, like and how they're, they're perceiving the situation, but you also need to like, keep your shit together and be able to like adjust, right. And like do all those things. So yeah, uh, it's a very, very big concept. Like the growth mindset goes spans, right. Every, every kind of aspect of life. So it's good. It's good to it, hear you say that. It, it is. And it's like, I feel like it's got become such like a uh, corny pop psychology term growth mindset, but it really, it's fucking hard. Like if you really want to be real about it, like it is Sean, the things you're saying, like it is way easier said than done to, look in the mirror and like take ownership over something where an interaction with a patient went terribly. And it's like, you could blame a bunch of different things, or you could take that as feedback. You know, your business could not be doing well and you might not want to just look at it or touch it. And like, but realistically getting feedback is how it grows. But again, much easier said than done. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Growth mindset is like a buzzword now, you know, it's like yeah. same with like uh, critical thinking. It's like, what is it? Yeah. Everyone it, just says, you don't think critically, like, or you do think critically. You're not a critical thinker. You're like, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. It's, it's good that it's like more popular culture, but at the same time with that comes the, you know, mis the misinterpretation and the bastardization of it. A hundred percent. People think critical thinking is like disagreeing with everything you see on the internet. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you said it right, like a practical skepticism. Like I think that's a good way to kind of kind of think about it, right? Is like no, yeah. like something doesn't feel right here, or know the questions to ask, and then like, you know, you can kind of reason your way through it or um it's like, like those types I, of things. I, I love that pie chart of like it's the like the the small slice of like shit you know, shit you know you don't know, shit you know you know you don't know. And then mm -hmm. it's like the galaxy and universe of unknown where it's like, <laughs> okay, if you base yourself and you humble yourself in that, it's like endless curiosity an appreciation that you may indeed have blind spots. But I think that's, what's tough coming out of school is like, I know for me, like I was super indoctrinated into my program where like, I felt like, you know, I was a TA for musculoskeletal exam. I was a TA for gross anatomy. You know, I knew my textbook shit inside and out. And I felt like, you know, and, oh, and I got my CSCS when I graduated. So I was like hot shit, you know, um, felt like <laughs> I knew, felt like I knew all the things. And so that first, mm -hmm that first humbling experience, like knocks you way down to earth if you don't have the role models beforehand. And that's where I feel like if we can intervene and inoculate earlier to just like give people that awareness, that's mm. what's going to allow them to be more flexible and adaptable in the future and not have it as intense of an existential and identity crisis. Yeah. That's having, awesome. Having role models is like really crucial, I guess, like really crucial. Yeah, it's yeah. for mentorship, man. It's like it's 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 huge. You know, I think about like all the hard times like like any of us have had, right? It's like you're either gonna figure it out on your own or you're gonna find some guidance and find someone who's been through it before and like can help you solve the 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 problems, mm. you know. Yeah. Um Zach, the thing I really appreciate is that you talk about how um how hard this stuff is. Like 
it's hard to have a growth mindset. It's hard to have like uh, consistently take in feedback that like might make you challenge like your beliefs and challenge what you're doing. Uh, because I think that a lot of the way information is like relayed these days with like social media, it's like highlight reels of everything is kind of like perfect butterflies and rainbows and all this stuff. So uh, the realness of it, I think is, is people will, will really appreciate. Yeah, it's, it is. And that's part, I think, you know, I, a unspoken sort of unifying theme of our Kalu community is that, you know, misery loves company. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to endure. Like, you know what I like? I've had coworkers that are like, you know, 90, they're better than probably 90% of, you know, clinicians out there. Cause again, the bar is like below so, ground, yeah. but for those people that really give a shit about like, it's like, yeah, my care is good. But like, if I want to be better, it's like, it's fucking it's not easy to expend all that energy to, to care that much. <laughs> so it's, it's nice to have people that can, you know, commiserate with you um, through the, the ups and the downs. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. Zach, can you, can you speak a little bit to um, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. What are ways that people can uh, work with you guys at Calu, like the different tiers and like that kind of stuff. Cause yeah, that so- to me, like the, for what it's worth from an outsider's perspective, like the tiers um, make a lot of sense to me with how you guys kind of like, cause you work with a lot of students and then being able to like, kind of yeah. take them on like this journey and like that kind of stuff. So that's, yeah. So uh, to put it simply, like we have our totally free Facebook community, which is just like a, you know, a hub where you can kind of get started. There's, we have a journal club once a month. We do case studies quarterly. Great. If you're looking for jobs or things like that, there's a lot of good posting in there. Um, and then we have our foundations one, our free four month mentorship that kind of covers our, you know, growth mindset, critical thinking, communication, and exercise made with the student in mind, because it's a minimum effective dosage based on feedback where it's like not a ton of didactic, but it's enough to get that sort of response that we want. Um, so beyond that is then our kind of clinical community, Calu Plus, which has our new course foundations too. And so that's sort of the other ways people can get involved is this new exercise course that Quinn is leading that I'm helping out with. Um, and that's like a four to six month course. People get access to it over the year because it's embedded within our Calu Plus um, membership, which is just basically a uh, a more centralized private forum, you know, a less noisy Facebook, way better organized, got a bunch of different resources on there that are really nice to have. But again, it's a good backdrop to, for the kind of clinicians that are also on their own, you know, but that's, the, that's part of who it's for as well as like the people that were told they were going to get good mentorship, but their coworkers or their bosses are leaving a lot to be desired, or they're starting their own practice. And, you know, you kind of want that it's like a virtual virtual clinic culture for people to have exposure to, but that's it. Those are the those are the primary awesome. ways. Yeah, that's cool. And that uh, when you're on your own, feeling it's like pretty much every PT promised uh, <laughs> promised the mentorship, but then you go in it right, and you're just like on your own. And then we talk about it a lot from the business world, like in the especially in like my business, like the mastermind group that I'm in is like when you're a solo practitioner, it's the same thing. It's like lonely, right? There's no one to like bounce ideas off. There's no one to like problem solve with, right? There's yeah. no one to go through all these things. There's no guidance. And it's the same thing clinically, right? If you're like in this bubble where you like really, really give a shit about what you do and getting better, but you're in a setting where other people don't, like it gets very, very, very yeah. just difficult, right? So having that community, it's like, it's like, again, it's one of those things that like, it's not super sexy to sell like the community, but the community aspect of these things is is what I think makes them 
powerful and special. Yeah. And that's, you know, to be honest with you, that's part of the hope with this long-term vision with Kalu is it's the, you know, sort of come for the tool, stay for the community type of thing where it's like the exercise course now or foundations one is a great lead in for people to get exposed to us. That's really valuable. But then they see the community and they're like, oh shit, I didn't realize that there was this many passionate people about (laughs) this type of stuff like I am. And it is really beneficial to be around that, but it's hard to it's hard to express or communicate that value to people that are skeptical or like unsure of it. So, you know, the hope is that as it grows, people end up staying in the community piece of it so that we're able to kind of like build the net value of, of Kalu year over year from people that are recurring, you know, and, and staying on with, you know, just the membership perspective. Yeah. Awesome. And actually one of our friends, my, me and encore, uh, Jordan Vela's, presented yep. recently to the, uh, the, with the student, the student mentorship group. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's good friends with Dylan too, who's yeah. one of our, uh, he works with us and he's awesome, but yeah, Jordan, I've briefly connected with him and he's an awesome dude. Yeah. Great. Great. He's a perfect example of someone like a student who like, he's like, he's in our program, like him and I, I've known him for a little while now. Um, we've always talked and, uh, like the level just of like, like I think about myself as a student and I'm like, dude, I don't know if my brain worked like that when I was like in school, you know? And then it's just like, you're just a young dude in a group with a bunch of people who are like, have been, been doing this stuff for a while and like having great conversations. Right. And like, you yeah. know, just, we can all the kind of work together and get better. The thoughtfulness. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the a good questions. It. It's like, that's the thing. Yeah, for sure. That blows me away. I'm like, I was not thinking about this shit when I was, <laughs> when I yeah. was in school. <laughs> uh, Zach, you uh, also, you made a, a, a recent career move. Yep. Um, would you mind speaking about that? Like what led to the, yeah. kind of the, the change in career path, I guess I'll say, and like the decision yeah. making that kind of led up to that, that process. So graduated in 2015. I funny, actually quick, funny story. So I graduated in 2015. I did one of my clinicals with professional physical therapy where I was seeing like 30 plus patients a day where I was like, I'm never, ever going to do that. Like I can't ever do that. That's crazy. Too, too much anxiety for that. Um, Did another clinical with a smaller, um, like seven location practice in New York and, and Westchester County took a job with them, got a job offer from professional, turned it down got bought out by professional a week later. So I ended up working for (laughs) professional PT for my first nine months of practice, which was hilarious. And just for anyone out there listening, I do have friends that are, have worked there and are in the clinical manager position there that are doing amazing things. So just want to say, I know it's not all whatever. That was my experience with them at, at that one location. Um, They, they they sent it though, during that time, like purchasing, Oh my God. Uh, it was acquiring crazy. Well, clinics. Just wait, it gets better. Cause then I was like, <laughs> I got my dream job at Boston PT and wellness. So like circa 2015, 2016, this new clinic in Boston starting out where I want to move. I go up there, there's barbells, there's dumb, heavy dumbbells, heavy kettlebells. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, like the owner, Dave is awesome. He's like, you know, not down your, down your throat about productivity and just had like a shared vision of like the quality of care we felt like we could do. Um, but when I moved to Boston, they were like, they were like, don't worry, professional will be up there soon too. And sure enough, within like a year or two professional PT bought their first few practices in Boston. And I was like, this is hilarious. Yeah. Um, like that. Just like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was there from 2016 till just this December, I just wrapped up 
and it was an amazing experience. Um, you know, it's mostly all love, you know, in terms of how things ended, it's all, you know, I did like a six month notice where I was dwindling my hours on the way out. But, you know, Dave was a supporter of Level Up. He gave seed money for Level Up. He always supported it. Um, basically, it kind of got to a point where uh, Steph and I both were just feeling just burnt out from the, um, you know, the margins of running an insurance-based business are tight. And there's only, unless you want to see a ton of patients, there's only so much compensation you can get, especially for a small startup private practice, you know, like when you start acquiring multiple practices and you have more revenue that, and then maybe you have more flexibility with compensation, but as a standalone, there's just not that much. And, you know, me and Steph are the type of people that we just consistently go way over and beyond. So you multiply that for years of effort where we're going over and beyond the compensation is feeling less than satisfactory you know, um, also just like in the clinical practice, it's whether it's like high turnover over the front desk staff and lack of support staff, where now you're like, you know, you're in the middle of an eval, but you also need to get the phone and schedule someone. And there's just like a bunch of little shit like that, that adds up where you're just like, I don't like, I'm so overworked and underpaid for this. This is ridiculous. And I think the other one of really one of the biggest pieces was the fact that like, so Steph's a great example. Her whole caseload was primarily ACL. These people like ACL rehab, literally like if you do nothing else, get your ass to the gym three days a week and work progressively, you know, overloading what you need to do. And like, you'll be successful in your rehab through the traditional model whether you're only given 12 visits, you need to stretch out over the year. You're constantly doing progress notes. The odds are, Something's going to have to give either you're going to be giving mediocre care. You're not proud of because they're just, you're giving them a packet of shit to do on their own, or you're going to overextend yourself and create a program for them to do outside of their visits that they're coming in once, maybe twice a week. And so it's the consistently overstretching to build these programs for people, you know, that ended up leading to a lot of burnout. I know for me, for example, it's like, I'll work with a power lifter with tendinopathy and it's like, like, I don't feel like, like you coming. Yeah. I like you coming in, but it's like, let me just augment your program. Like that's, that's what's going to be successful in the long term for you is like staying in the gym, but with augmentations to your program. And so it was kind of that realization that like this remote mode of care fit our biases a lot more in terms of what we believed was really valuable. It was like, I can still get a thorough history, thorough connection, understanding of what's going on. And the meat and potatoes of the care is like how you're interacting in your environment, how you're moving, how you're loading, how you're progressing, regressing, all of that we can do remotely. And so Steph took the leap with ACL Resolve, her fully online ACL company that she's killing it with. Um, and so that gave us a little bit of, um, buffer to kind of be like, you know what, fuck it. We're going to make this move. And then Kalu is, is growing, you know, we're four co-founders, a lot of mouths to feed. So it's successful, but for, in terms of like compensating what we would actually need, we got a lot of, a lot of room to grow. Um, but I'm doing my own personal remote rehab. So I have my own caseload I'm working with. Um, I have you know a four to six hour a week telehealth gig that I do that I can punch in, punch out. They're good people. It pays me well. 
And then when I move up to Rochester, I'll be doing two four hour shifts at my friend's uh, cash based clinic out of a great gym. So I'm looking forward to having a little bit of in-person to scratch the itch. Um, we also have family in Rochester that we're really close with that we don't get to see. And so that was part of it was like, Steph's been practicing for a decade. I've been practicing for eight years. We're kind of just at that natural crossroads anywhere where it's like, all right, we're ready for, we're ready for a change. We're ready for the next chapter. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And thank, thank you for sharing that. I think it's helpful for people to hear like the, the journey, right? Like, like what we, like everyone kind of goes through um, and good for you guys for, for taking that leap. Cause that's uh, as someone who's done it myself, it's very, very hard, right. To, yeah. to leave the salary. And like, yes, there's like negative stuff or, you know, reasons why you're probably leaving, but to actually take the leap is like one of the hardest parts. And then um, figuring it out, right. Is the next thing. Is <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we've been, the good thing is like, we've been grading, we've been ramping and grading this for years, you know, like I think in 2018, is when I went down to like 36 hours a week in the clinic in 2019, 32 hours a week in the clinic, you know, post COVID 20 hours a week in the clinic over the last year, I was at like 16 hours a week. So it's like, it's been the slow stepwise type of situation for me, which has made it feel less scary, I think. But at the same time, obviously you're compromising speed with some of, you know, when you're taking that long, but getting a taste of the freedom of like controlling our schedule and like, having the time richness in our life is like, Oh my God. Like, you know, yeah, we want to make money, but having this level of time has just like mental health has skyrocketed. It's been, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things, um, uh, I forget the name of it. I'm drawing a blank right now. Oh yeah. yeah. So like the, the honey badger, right. Honey badger project, um, with Frank Benedetto. Like, so I was in his like founding members kind of like iteration, iteration of it. And one of the things that I got that I took out of that, that was like super valuable was like the life design, um, Mm -hmm. worksheet or whatever he, I forget what he called it. I might be butchering. Yeah, no, that's, that, that is it. (laughs) Yeah. But like super helpful. Like you're essentially right. It's like, um, like defining what, what is your life, the life you want look like. Right. And then like, when you have that end in mind, you can take the actionable steps now to like bring you closer and closer towards it. And that like freedom, man, is like, it's not, I mean, I don't think like running your own business is for everybody, but like, it is, it is definitely like, it is, it is, it is a a freeing thing. Like, I don't even know how else to describe it. It's just great to have like the flexibility and to like do the things you want to do. Um, and still be able to like provide, right. And like do the, you know, all that kind of stuff. It sounds, it's like, it sounds so nice. It's like, Oh, life design, you know, what does that even mean? And it's like, we're so conditioned to just work our asses off all the time that we end up building our life around our business where the whole point of that worksheet is like, no, like literally, put your business aside. Like that's the vehicle that affords you the opportunity to like put constraints in your schedule of like, no, like I go, I'm going to go to the gym at these times. I'm going to shut down at this time. And then you make it work around that, which is takes time. Like for sure. Like literally I remember feeling that and being like, yeah, maybe one day, or like, I don't even know what this would even look like. And now we're living it. And it's like, Oh yeah, this is amazing. But it was a process for sure. Yeah. Process. Yeah. A hundred percent. Mental health uh, gets impacted the most when we feel we are not in control of a lot of things. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. The overwhelm, right. Overwhelm is just like, yeah. um, like I'm being, uh, I'm being, uh, uh, I'm being the puppet <laughs> and life. Yeah. Is, <laughs> life is just like, I mean, showering responsibilities on me and I don't think I'm in control. I have work. I have so much else going on as well. And I'm, yeah, you feel trapped. 
Yeah. You feel like trapped. I'm, I'm not in stifled. control of anything. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, I'm, I'm like a very like laid back kind of easygoing personality. Um, but all the times where I've had like anxiety was that exact situation, right? It happened recently, maybe like four or five months ago where like, uh, so I, I have my the clinic, I own the clinic, right? I own the mentorship business. And then my wife and I are in the process of opening a business. And we just had this like shit storm of things where everything was due at the same time. Like we just had like, like all the sprints for each business happen at the same time. And I'm just like waking up at like 2.45 in the morning. And I'm just like thinking about all the stuff I have to do. And then I just would sit there like all anxious. And then I just like, okay, I need to, I need to change this. Right. Like we need a plan that like I can at least attack and just literally sitting down and writing like, all right, here are all the things that need to get done. Here's how I could fit them in my schedule. Like just made me feel better. Like just getting that little bit of control back. And it's just like, yeah, that's just the shit we deal with, man. I don't know. <laughs> yep. But take it a day at a time, man. You surround yourself with good people. You take it a day at a time and you'll get there. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. I have one last quick question. Cause I think that's a good spot to yeah. end it one day at a time, man. <laughs> um, you mentioned Rochester and working at a, like a cash clinic. What's the, what's yep. the clinic? Yep. So it's, uh, it's mana, mana performance therapy. It's uh Russ Manalostis is, uh, he's my guy. We connected like five years ago. He's just a super good dude, very Cali aligned. And he's built a really great cash-based practice out of, it's a gym called next level. And they are an amazing, like strength and conditioning facility, big emphasis on youth adolescent development awesome. attached to an ice hockey rink. So, and they get, you know, the owner of it is also the coach of, um, or the strength and conditioning coach for the men's RIT ice hockey team. They're just, they're super connected in the area. They do great work. They're good people. And so I'm excited to, uh, kind of get to ex also experience that, you know, I've never, besides for doing my own remote care, that's, you know, quote unquote cash base. Like I've never done it in the tradition, like in a more like in clinic, um, type of setting. So I'm looking forward to gaining that experience. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a skill, right? Like that, that process is just a little similar principles, but like how they get applied is a little, well, a little like, different, feel, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it is. But it's like the confidence, like I feel confident in the value that I can provide someone is well worth that, you know, without feeling the need to over complicate or do different manual therapy interventions just for the veneer of value. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. No, I'm excited for you, man. And I'll add them to my list of, uh, we have it in our like the mentorship program, like, uh, we have like a lot of people looking for referrals, right? So it's good to have yeah. people that, uh, yeah, yeah. um, now we have someone Rochester that we can, uh, you yes. know, send some people up to, <laughs> um, Zach, what is the best way that people can, uh, get in contact with you, um, learn more about what you guys do at Kelu, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you could just follow uh, my Instagram handle is Zach, Zach DPT Z A K. Um, long story, but that's how I spell my name. Um, and then, um, the level up initiative at the level up initiative on Instagram. Those would be the two places always open, always around to connect. And, um, yeah, Sean, I appreciate and Encore. Thank you guys both for having me on. I appreciate the work you guys are doing. There's tens of thousands of graduating DPT students, thousands of chiropractic students graduating every year. So there's no shortage of people that will benefit from valuable mentorship not yeah. just new grads, people out, you know, multiple yeah. years. So there is, there is a definite need and it's fun to be elevating the standard altogether. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. Zach, thanks for your time, man. And we will, uh, we'll be in touch. Absolutely. Thanks. Sounds good, fellas. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See you guys. Peace.